Hebrews 12, verses 25, from 25 to Hebrews 13, verse 3. And if you've got a church Bible, it's page 1009. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Margaret. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be with you. My name's Andrew. I'm the curate here. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Our Father in heaven, we come to your word and we need it. And so we need your help. We pray that by the power of your spirit, your word to us this morning would be to each one of us what we need to hear. Help us to receive it by faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's not an obvious day for a sermon on hospitality, I'll give you that. Confession time. My, my heart did sink. Um, on Monday, I, I looked at this passage and I realised I was preaching on hospitality in the middle of a pandemic when it's illegal for me to go into your house and it's illegal for you to come into mine. That, of course, was before the Prime Minister's announcements last night. In lots of ways, this is a strange time to think about hospitality. In lots of ways, it's a frustrating time to think about hospitality. Rob's already talked about some of the ways we'd hoped that this year we'd be able to live some of that out in new and exciting ways. In some ways, that's frustrating. But the more that I've thought about this this week, the more I'm convinced that this is a vital time for us to think about hospitality and our love for one another as a church family. We've thought already about how important that has been for us as a church this year, and that is going to be true for us in these next few weeks as well. Hebrews 12, verse 28, tells us to offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And chapter 13, which we start looking at this morning, tells us what that worship looks like. It tells us how to be a church with really good worship. And as we read chapter 13, actually, we discover that chapter 13 has nothing really to say about music or singing or buildings or liturgy. It has lots to do about how we live day to day. 
God's people gathered together is always the heart of worship in the Bible, but it's never the end of it. Some people are hard to buy presents for, aren't they? Do you know people like that? You just have no idea what they want. Wonderfully, God is not like that. Chapter 13 is God telling us all the things that please him, all the things he loves to see in his church. Chapter 13 tells us how to respond to the whole message of Hebrews. Since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, since we've come by faith to the city of the living God, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, this is how to respond. We're focusing on verses 1 to 3 of chapter 13 this morning. And very simply, these verses tell us that worship looks like love. Verse 1 really is the headline for these verses. It calls us to keep loving our Christian family. Hebrews 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Notice two things about that love. First, it's brotherly love. It's family love. It's the sort of love Rob was talking about earlier. Love for brothers, love for sisters. It's the church as a family. As we come to God through Jesus, God adopts us into his family. He is now our father. Jesus is now our brother. Together, united by his spirit, we are brothers and sisters of one another. If you've been around St. Peter's for any length of time, if you've looked at that vision, you know that we talk about church as a family a lot. Maybe, maybe you find yourself talking like that. It trips off the tongue quite easily. But I think it, it, it is easy sometimes for that just to become shorthand. It just becomes second nature. We say it basically as a, as a shorthand way of saying that church is friendly. Um, saying that church is family is is a nice strap line. It looks nice on a poster. It looks, it's a good sort of piece of PR on the website. But when the Bible says that church is a family, it's not using that as a picture. It's not a metaphor. It's not just good PR. It's not just a nice slogan. It says it's a reality. In fact, it's the reality that will resound through eternity. We don't love each other like a family. We love each other as a family. We're called to family love. And notice as well in verse 1, this isn't a love for that family, this isn't a call for that family love to start, but for it to carry on. Let brotherly love continue. That, I guess, was true for these Hebrew Christians as they read this letter. It's true for us at St. Peter's, as we've thought already this morning. Family love doesn't need to start at St. Peter's. Praise God for that. One of the things I've, I've really enjoyed about getting to know people here over the last few months is hearing some of the stories of ways here that people have been welcomed and cared for and loved as part of the church family here. Praise God for that. Family love does not need to be started at St. Peter's, but it does need to be sustained. Let brotherly love continue. One of the toys our one-year-old has been enjoying uh, recently is a, a slightly odd-looking plastic thing with a button on the top. You press the button down and some levers spin around and some balls start flying. And it's entertaining for all of 15 seconds until it stops. And then you need to press the button again. If you stop pressing the button, it won't keep going. 
And Hebrews 13, verse 1, says that our family love is a bit like that. If we don't keep working at it, it will stop. It doesn't automatically continue. We need to keep it going. And it is such a helpful reminder, I think, for us not to rest on our laurels, not to take family love for granted. We've been grateful for the ways we've seen that and experienced that this year and in many years in the past. But having a history of family love as a church family is not in itself a guarantee we'll have a future of it. We're to keep loving our Christian family. That takes renewed effort and it takes deliberate thoughts. And without those things, our love will fizzle out. Verses 2 and 3 of chapter 13 really give us two particular groups that we need to show that love to. Strangers, in verse 2, and sufferers, in verse 3. We're to keep loving our Christian family first, verse 2, by showing hospitality to strangers. One of the amazing things about the Church of Jesus Christ is how different we are. I love that about church. We're different ages, we're different backgrounds, we're different nationalities, we've got different interests. We're united together by Jesus in his family. It's a wonderful thing. Praise God, we're quite a diverse church. But it is easy, isn't it? Perhaps you've noticed this. Even in a diverse church, for the people that I spend time with to largely be the people who are most like me. Do you find that? Verse 2 calls us to something very different to that, doesn't it? Have a look at verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Well, that's an interesting verse. Um, A few questions from that. What's hospitality? Who are the strangers? What on earth are going on with the angels? We'll come back to that one, I promise, but you'll have to wait. What's hospitality? Sometimes I think we can trip over this word hospitality. Um, Instinctively, I read verse 2, and I read the word hospitality, and I think the word entertaining. Maybe you do that as well. You know what I mean? Um, Dinner party spotless house, um, enormous preparation. Some of us are very good at that. Lots of us aren't. The heart of the idea of hospitality in the Bible is not really that. The heart of the idea of hospitality in the Bible is simply the idea of love, a loving welcome, welcoming other people into our lives. And that is not just for those who are good at dinner parties and entertaining. Hospitality doesn't need to be showy. It doesn't need to be impressive. It just needs to be love. And almost all of us can find a way to do that. Perhaps you, like me, need to get away from that idea that hospitality equals entertaining. We had some people from church around for dinner um, in our garden over the summer. We fed them pizza and chips. Um, Cordon Bleu cuisine, it was not. Hospitality It was. But we're not just called to show hospitality in general in Hebrews 13. Did you notice that in verse 2? We're to show hospitality to strangers in particular. So who are these strangers? Well, verse 2 is really just unpacking what the family love of verse 1 was talking about. These These are strangers who are part of our Christian family, but who we don't know very well, Perhaps we don't even know at all. We might put it like this. They're our family, but they're not yet our friends. 
That's who the strangers are in this verse. People we don't normally spend time with. People who don't really um, live in our social circle. They're the kind of people. Maybe those of a different life stage. Maybe those of a different nationality. Um, Maybe those, we we wouldn't say publicly, but we find them a bit awkward. People like that. We're to keep loving our Christian family by showing hospitality to those sort of people, to strangers. And our hospitality and our care for, for those people at the moment is probably more important than ever. How, how do we do that then? How do we do that at the moment? In one sense, I, I can't tell you that. Um, God's word tells us what we should do. It doesn't tell us here how we should do it. Each one of us is in different uh, situations in life at the moment, different health situations, different home situations, different family situations. I can't tell us what it will look like now during coronavirus. I can't tell you particularly what it will look like afterwards in all of our dis- different situations. But I think this is a call from God in his word for us to think about these things and to talk about them and to pray about them together. So let me give you some ideas. What might hospitality to strangers look like during coronavirus? It's going to look different, isn't it? We know that. We feel lots of the limits, and we know there are more coming this week. What might hospitality look like? I guess hospitality over these next few weeks might look like walks, if we're allowed to go out for a walk with one person outside in a public park. How could we use that opportunity as an opportunity to express love and care for someone? Hospitality at the moment might look like phone calls, might look like messages, perhaps especially to those we haven't been in touch with, we don't normally see unless we bump into them at church. Regular members here have got access to the address book and to contact details for people you perhaps haven't been in touch with for months. And what a blessing it might be to phone up one of them, this week. Here's another possibility. What about Christmas? We look, we, who knows what Christmas will look like for us. Christmas will look different, I guess, for almost all of us in some ways. In the coming weeks, probably, lots of us are going to start making different-looking plans. I guess the question from God's Word this morning is, how can we make verse 2 part of those plans? If more of us are at home, not away, if some of our church family will be more alone at Christmas than they would normally be, how can we show hospitality to people like that? As we cook Christmas dinner, can we drop a Christmas dinner on someone's doorstep? Can we do things like that as a church family? Will that factor into our planning and our thinking? Maybe in God's providence, there'll be new opportunities for us to show hospitable love like that this Christmas than there normally seem to be. What about hospitality after coronavirus? What a thought. What about hospitality in the future? This is a frustrating time, isn't it, to, to think about things like this. I get that. We wish we could welcome people into our lives at the moment more than we do. Do you feel the loss of that? I hope we do. We are weaker and we are poorer as a church because we can't. But I hope that as we feel that, that strengthens our resolve by God's grace that when we have opportunities to come, whenever that might be, we want to make the most of them. 
maybe this is a good time then to, to look back at, at what shape our hospitality looked like before coronavirus and to ask ourselves the question, what would we like it to look like afterwards? How would we like to grow? Perhaps for some, it's hospitality like this has never really been a part of our Christian discipleship, to be honest. We, we don't know where to start. We feel like the bar is too high. And maybe one of the lessons from this season of life is, is just that really anything would be better than the nothing that so many of us ha- have been experiencing. It would just be better to do something. It would just be better to have someone round from church for a cup of tea and a packet of biscuits than, than to do nothing at all. And maybe after coronavirus, some of us could start there. Perhaps for others, as hospitality, truth be told, had just started to fall down our agenda a little bit. Life had got busy. Um, family situations changed. And that's understandable. We go through different seasons of life. Different things are possible at different times. But maybe this is a chance to think, what opportunities might there be in, it, in the next season of life that weren't possible in the previous one? Perhaps for, for other of us, others of us, we, we do the hospitality bit, but not so much with strangers, with those we don't know so well. We've got friends at church, we've got people we know well, and they're the people we see, they're the people we do things with. And perhaps the challenge for you is, how, what would it look like to widen that circle, to invite people you don't know very well, for us to be a church family where families invite single people, and single people invite families, where younger people invite older people, and older people invite younger people. A church family where people cook more Sunday lunch than they need so that they could invite someone from church, someone who's new that Sunday, to come back with them. Can we use this, this feeling of, of loss, what we, what we wish we could have at the moment, can we use that now to strengthen us then and make us a more loving and more hospitable family than we might have been without it? We're to love the strangers in our church family through hospitality. I did say we'd come back to the angels in verse 2. Did you see them there? Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. What are the angels doing? There are a few times in the Old Testament when the people of God end up hosting angels um, almost by mistake. They, They just think they're hosting people. And it turns out they're hosting these messengers from God. Abraham, in Genesis 18, is perhaps the most famous example. Why mention them here? It's, it's, it's strange, isn't it? I, I don't think this is like a, a golden ticket in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You know, if you, if you invite enough people round, um, eventually one of you will be lucky enough to have an angel um, on the patio furniture. I don't think that's what... Um, Hebrews is saying here. I think Hebrews is saying that what looks very ordinary, God uses often to do extraordinary things, unexpected things. I guess between us this morning, we'll have lots of stories of the way that we've been shaped by Christian hospitality and love, of people who've invested in us and taken us in and welcomed us. And if we could hear those stories, I wonder if we'd be amazed by all that the Lord has done through things like that. Little things, unspectacular things that the Lord has used in remarkable ways. 
Who knows what the Lord might do among us, even over the next few strange weeks and the months to come. What wonderful, unexpected things might the Lord be at work at that we could never expect as we show hospitality and love to one another. We're to keep on loving our Christian family by showing hospitality to strangers. And verse 3 gives us one last group to show love to. We're to keep on loving our Christian family by showing solidarity with sufferers. Verse 3, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. These are suffering Christians being talked about probably in the first instance those facing persecution for their faith. And to keep on loving our Christian family looks like showing love to them, looks like remembering them, showing solidarity with them, standing with them, especially when that's exactly the sort of suffering that we don't immediately necessarily see, people in prison. We say, don't we, out of sight, out of mind. And it's true, isn't it? If something's not right in front of me, I'm very likely to forget it. I think that's what's going on here. Christians in prison for their faith, they're out of sight. They might easily be out of mind. We're to feel for them as if we were in their shoes, because after all, we are in their family. What will that look like for us? I guess most obviously this speaks, doesn't it, to our attitude to persecuted Christians around the world. Um, chapter 13, verse 3 is not a metaphor. It's not, a, not just a picture. That's a reality for many brothers and sisters of ours around the world, even this morning brothers and sisters who face oppression, violence, imprisonment, even death for their faith. The charity Open Doors reports there were nearly 10,000 attacks on churches worldwide last year, nearly 3,000 Christians killed for their faith. Persecution of Christians is a massive global human rights issue. It's recognised as that by the church and by Uh, non-religious authorities, but it is out of sight for most of us and it might easily be out of mind. Do we pray for the persecuted church? Do we support them? Charities like Open Doors would give us resources to pray. You could look them up online. Closer to home, when Christians are marginalised because of their faith, victimised, will we stand with them when churches are put under pressure, when churches near us are are treated unfairly by secular authorities, even by church authorities, will St. Peter's stand with them? Even if it means we get tarred by the same brush, it tarnishes our reputation. I guess there are implications of this even closer to home as well. There are suffering Christians, there are isolated Christians in our church family. Lockdown has revealed that to us, hasn't it? And it's multiplied that. What about the housebound in our church family? Like I think many churches, we are probably more in touch with those who are housebound who couldn't normally be with us in church now than we typically would be without coronavirus. Chapter 13, verse 3 calls us to remember those in our family that we cannot be with who are suffering 
it goes without saying, these, are, these aren't easy times we're living through. It's, it will not be easy to keep loving our Christian family at the moment. But that is exactly why these verses were written. These Christians who first received this letter were suffering. They were under pressure. They were facing hard times. They were tired and weary and tempted to give up. And we might feel the same. And that is why I think we need this part of God's word this morning. Verse 2 tells us, don't neglect hospitality to strangers. Because with all that's going on at the moment, we so easily might. Verse 3 says, remember the sufferers in your Christian family. Because all we're facing might mean we forget them. God calls me and he calls you today to keep on loving our Christian family. And he does that because that is how he has treated us. Our family love for one another flows from our Father's love for us. Love like this, love for the stranger, love for the sufferer is God-like love, isn't it? God is not interested in us because we move in his social circles, because we're nice to be around, we're easy to spend time with. In Jesus Christ, God reached out to us when we were far away from him, strangers. In Jesus Christ, God came down to us when we were his enemies. Jesus Christ became a man so that through his death, and resurrection for sinners, he might become our brother. Hebrews 2 says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his... uh, Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. What a thought. Where is all of history heading? To a great celebration where God welcomes to his table... People like us who were strangers far from him to whom he showed love. That is love. That's the source of all love. It's the source of our love. Whatever these next few weeks hold for us, we're going to need one another as a church family. We need to keep on loving our Christian family. And we love because he first loved us. Let's pray for the Lord's help. Our Father in heaven, we pray that just as you have loved us generously, undeservedly, so we would be people of love to one another. Please help us to see how we can do that well in strange and confusing times in these next few weeks. And please grow us in this as a church family in the years and in the decades to come for our good and for the glory of Jesus. Amen.